0: all, and welcome to Margin Call, the editorial meeting and podcast for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. On today's episode, we're joined by New York City-based journalist Krista Bryant, who shot and edited Between the Ropes, a compelling portrait of a young woman who battled her depression by training to be a professional wrestler. The video is on the Quest On site now, and anybody who hasn't seen it, I encourage you to check it out immediately. Immediately! Or whenever you have time. Uh, Thank you so much, Krista, for being here. I'm excited. You're a first-time guest. It always makes us very happy to have first-time guests. Uh, I'm also excited today because we're joined by Amelia Gonzalez, who is not a first-time guest. Amelia's been here many times. Uh, But Amelia's been trying to get on the show for weeks now. It feels like weeks to discuss a compelling topic of a different sort, or maybe not such a different sort, female empowerment songs, mostly power pop ballads, Uh, And I'll let Amelia tell us more about that. But thank you so much, Amelia, for being here. I'm glad we were able to create some space for this conversation, and it's always a pleasure to have you. Uh, I'm joined also by Melanie Feliciano, which always makes me happy to see Melanie's smiling face. Uh, And as always, we are joined by our producer, our ever-optimistic producer, Ray of Sunshine, Yiming Pianci herself, in the booth, making sure we all sound good. Thank you, Yiming. Uh, I'd like to start with you, Krista, first of all, because it's your first time here. So it's like baptism by fire. We have to start with you. Um, And also, uh, because your video is on the site right now, and I I really want to encourage everybody. I know that everybody who's here today recording has seen the video already. But all of our listeners, if you haven't seen Between the Ropes already, please, please check it out. It's a very, very compelling portrait uh, and a wonderful subject. Uh, Krista, I'm curious. uh, I don't know much background at all. I watched the video. I know Melanie met you and and you guys were able to have a conversation about it, but I'm curious about the background, how you met your subject and, and how this project came about.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So I was studying journalism in Columbia this past year and I met Jasmine, who's the main character of my video, through my master's thesis. My master's thesis was on body shaming and body imaging among women in wrestling. And the first character I came encounter with, she introduced me to Jasmine. And I felt such a warmer connection with Jasmine. So I was just like, her story needs to be put on video. It needs to be told. So fast forward till um, April or the a few weeks in the last two weeks in march to april we had to pitch our story ideas to our, our video professors and at first it wasn't received well it was just like okay it's wrestling it's fake you know what can it what can you most possibly tell me that's going to be compelling for a video so as i'm talking to her i'm realizing she's getting more and more deeper into her story and then the fact of she's using wrestling as a a way to combat her depression because she suffers from depression like that's a really good way to you know tell her story and put it out there so once I told that to my professor me and my um, partner who is my video partner Jade who helped me on this video we shot it together we literally was it was like a day in the life we shot her at training we shot her in her house we shot her and her performance mode and I'm just so happy the way that the video has come together and I think the the best part of telling these stories is that you may look at a wrestler as a normal person and you may never know what they're really going through or why they're doing using wrestling as an outlet sometimes it's just for fun but sometimes it is for being a better you so that's why I decided to use her story and put it on video
0: It really is compelling. It's such a fantastic entry point. I mean, especially journalistically, there's such a big national conversation about mental illness including depression and anxiety and it's a really important conversation but you don't always get such a compelling entry point point. Uh, and I did not know this background about your master's thesis so uh, I, I'm curious about your your interest in wrestling how did tell me a little bit more about this the connection between body shaming and wrestling because that is news to me and I'm I'm very interested in, in what drew you to that subject
1: um I've been a wrestling fan since I was six and I've always felt, you know, wrestling has always been the male-dominated sport with the women who come out there only there as eye candy or tokens. And I wanted to, and, and seeing the evolution from when we had Sable and Tori and um, Stacy Keebler in the Attitude Era up until the women we have now who are actually doing athletic things and making history as men, I wanted to really... Showcase that because, as athletic as these women are now, they are still being called fat, or they're still changing their bodies or altering themselves just to be better for the crowd, just to please the crowd like it's just like their performances are not enough; they have to alter their bodies now, and, and I, for one, feels like everybody should embrace themselves no matter how they look, and it isn't perceived that way all the time, so that's why I wanted to dive into that. A little bit more and bring light to that situation because it's something that's underreported something that a lot of these women go through and it ultimately causes them to alter themselves to where they can't they can't reverse it things can happen you be put out and then that's it then you did all that for what for nothing so that's why I wanted to um to showcase on that display on that
0: so I'm also a wrestling fan, or a pro wrestling fan, probably not as knowledgeable as you. But I came up uh, in the 80s. So this was like the Hulk Hogan era um, and okay. Sgt. Smyr the yeah. golden era, right? So I get every golden era. My, I'm a, a golden era of hip hop. I'm a golden era of wrestling. I was very yeah. lucky to be born in 1980, apparently. Uh, you know, Macho Man, Randy Savage, all that stuff. Uh, and it was hard to escape. At this time, it was such a cultural phenomenon. It was just the most popular entertainment. I didn't have to seek it out um, at all. But I remember at the time, uh, it was an interesting footnote that, oh, there were going to be women involved. And now I know you're going to hate me for asking this question because I'm sure other people have asked you, but there's a TV show now as you know, The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. But that was real. When I was a kid in the 80s, they were like, oh yeah, glow. They're going to be women wrestlers. But it was a lot more about what you're saying. It was much, I mean, you know, these women were very sexualized. You know, it was a lot about their bodies and looking good and a lot kind of like fetishizing the idea of women fighting as opposed to like them being athletes in the way that the men were athletes. So I have to ask, do you watch the show? Do you like the show? Do you hate the show? What are your thoughts?
1: It's funny. I've never watched Glow. When it first came, when the series first came to Netflix. <laughs> yes, I, know I get that all the time. I'm like, they're like, what? When the series came to Netflix, I really didn't know what it was. And then when I went to go actually watch the show, I actually saw the documentary behind it, like the real documentary. And that drew me. And I'm just like, oh, okay. So Glow was a show in the 80s that was just all females. That was, you had the good females, you had the bad females. And what took me aback was the fact that Ivory, who was a major part of the Attitude Era, was also in Glow. That's how she started, that's how she got her break. And to this day, I try to watch Glow, but I really don't have time for TV as much. Like I'm literally um, sitting here, we well, was sitting here earlier, catching up on Total, Total Bellas. Like it's just a lot of wrestling things I don't catch up on. But Globe, I'm hearing that Glow is doing such an amazing job on Netflix for it to get renewed. I don't watch it, but the clips that I I have seen or the things that I read about it, 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 it is compelling for me to sit really sit down and binge watch Glow
0: yeah it seemed to me, and this is not based on because I also don't watch the show glow right. I know a lot of people who love it have seen some of it. Um, I have a good impression, but I don't know enough to you know issue a full critique of the show. But I do remember the actual gorgeous ladies of wrestling. I remember that era when it was on television. And at the time, of course, I didn't have a very critical mind. You know, I was like six years old. So I just watched what was on the television. But now when I think about it and also hearing your experience as a wrestling fan, I think Part of the reason it was problematic or part of the reason it may not have been what it could have been, or I don't even know if this is true, is that it seemed like the fans of wrestling were still majority male. Right. So the people who were watching women's wrestling, it wasn't like, you know, Women's World Cup, like when the U.S. team did really well, they brought in fans, men and women. It seemed like. Glow was kind of tailored to men, and as a result, it, it came up with the same kind of issues that you're talking about with body image, and they were supposed to just be, like, highly sexualized figures. Did you talk about that at all uh with the subject of your film, about, like, what women's roles are in wrestling and what kind of actual obstacles she encounters?
1: I did. Um I did speak about that. It didn't get put in there because she didn't really go deep with it. But I did speak about, you know, she's 4'11", you don't see a 4'11 wrestler at females. 4'11 and she's, she's, I think she says she weighed between 170 and 180 pounds. You don't see that in women's wrestling. You see someone who's my height. I'm 5'7". I'm 120-something pounds. That's what, that's the ideal wrestler. And, and that film, and even in my thesis when I was writing it, that's what I wanted to break the stigma of. Because you have all of these talented women who are not the the ideal model eye candy size who want to pursue this career and want to be taken seriously, but they can't because they don't fit that type. They don't fit that prototype. They don't fit the oh you can't walk around in a bra and panties in the ring. If I need you to, you can't be a part of a a a sexy pillow fight or bra and panties match because you don't fit that body type. And it was one thing that she said to me during her. During my interview with her on my thesis, which was she trains under Johnny Rods, who's a WWE Hall of Famer. And when she walked in, he was just like, You have the look, your pretty face. Why do you want to be a diva? And he goes, she goes, I'm not here to be a diva, I'm here to be a wrestler. So that well, so stood out to
0: for, me. For for the uninitiated, please explain what is a diva in wrestling? Okay,
1: so a diva in wrestling. Are the Sables, the Tory Wilsons, the Stacy Keevers, are the sexier models who usually flaunt their their assets. They're the ones who are very catty towards each other, and this is how women were classified for a really long time until this new generation of women who are fighting on the rosters on SmackDown and Raw now came about and was actually showcasing their talent, showcasing that they are actually more to them than just a pretty face or a nice body like they're willing to go in there and get bones broken be scarred and bruised and put their bodies on a lot to put on a good show so they transform from divas into superstars and now they are equal towards the men
0: I was fantastic. I didn't even know that was going on in WWE. Like I said, I've been out of the game for a while. I still want to say WWF. That should yeah, tell you how old my, my fandom is. I still want to call it WWF. Me too. And I still represent yeah. the World uh, Wildlife Foundation for taking that acronym away from them because I think it really belongs with wrestling. It doesn't belong with any kind of conservation group. <laughs> Nobody cares about pandas. We want to see wrestling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I feel like WWF has that that special place in everybody's heart from golden era. I grew up in Attitude Era. So it was just like, yeah, WWF, you know, that's Mm -hmm. how you knew it It was different. Once it changed to E, the whole dynamic and platform just changed. And I think that's why a lot of people, even myself, I stopped watching it for a while. And then I came back to watch it, I guess, around 2012, 13, I started watching it again. And it was because it was a guy, Roman Reigns, was up there and I was just like okay he's cute and that's how I started watching it again and then I started to see how the women were actually starting to fight a little bit more which is more than pillow fights and bra and panty matches and mud matches and I was like oh okay well, this is different this is what I like to see and because of it me and a friend now also have we started our own mm-hmm. video IGTV thing about just talking about female wrestlers the evolution of female wrestlers is called those wrestling girls. And we just shot our second video today and we just wanted, we just want to give knowledge to those who don't um, know about the female wrestling world at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of people who don't know about the female wrestling world. My defense of wrestling as an adult has always been that so many of our, you know, pressing social issues end up being filtered in through the ring. You know, we talk about race relations or even when, you know, uh, in 1990, when we invaded Iraq for the first time, or when we went to war in Kuwait versus Saddam Hussein, you know, it was a big, there was a guy, the Iron Sheik, you know, and he was supposed to represent all this anxiety and a lot of like, I guess what you would call Islamophobia or kind of anti-Arab sentiment around that time. And then he teamed up with Sergeant Slaughter, who was supposed to be the American military guy. And it created so much drama because everybody thought, oh, Sergeant Slaughter is supposed to be Mr. America. And he sold out. And yeah, and he sold out to go to the Iron Sheik. And it was like this really compelling storyline that kind of tapped into what was the, the social anxieties of the time. And a lot of that happens true. I mean, there's all kinds of like race relations, there's racial stuff that goes on in the ring. And all these kind of like social anxieties are filtered through that uh, in a way that I guess we don't see as often. And if you think about who the, who the fans, you know, the stereotypical fans are of wrestling, um i mean i guess now it's not fair to say that because you have your own show where you're talking about women who watch wrestling but you know people would say like um you know what they call trump's america right who who do you think most of the people are who watch uh wrestling and a lot of times it's like rural you know mostly male mostly white but maybe those stereotypes don't hold true is that still true for the fan base of rest of, of wrestling?
1: oh no it's still true it's still true um Uh, there's an African-American female who wrestles on the main roster. Her name is Naomi. And there was something, she was racially profiled. Somebody called her a monkey, like a black monkey or something like that. And she said, this is something that we, I face when a lot of the African-American superstars deal with on a daily basis. Um, There's another group, the New Day, who were all black, who gave an opinion or a statement on how they felt about Hulk Hogan being reinstated into the hall of fame this year. And, you know, he was taken out because of his racial slurs that he said saying the N word a lot. And it was just like, we feel, I guess they didn't want to say that we, we feel that he shouldn't be in it because Hulk Hogan kind of helped build the WWE and what it is today. But at the same time, it's just like, you're not, you're not speaking up. For yourself, you're pushing what you really feel inside because you don't want to jeopardize your career. You don't want to let those fans down. You don't want to, you know, put yourself at the bottom of the totem pole. So it was like, do you sit and face with those racial inequalities on a daily basis without speaking up for yourself? It was like, what do you do? It's like you're being faced with a
0: double-edged sword. Right. Right. I have to ask. This is this is my last question about the video or about wrestling, uh, before we, we pivot to Amelia. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm curious if you're interested in wrestling, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, are you training yourself? Are you, you know, do you want to put yourself in that position?
1: You know, it's funny. I just mentioned this to one of my closest friends on um, Monday. I was watching, I was at a bar and I put wrestling on my phone because Stephanie had an announcement to make a big announcement for the women. And I was just like, you know what? I still low key want to train to be a wrestler. Like I still want to <laughs> see what it's like. Cause when I was at the ring shooting, when I got the gym shooting Jasmine, I, I felt something like when I stepped on the apron, like stepped on the side of the ring to get, actually get her going against the ropes. I felt something. I'm just like, I feel like this is where I need to be. Like I need to be in a wrestling ring. Like I need to be in a WWE. I need to, you know, showcase my talent. But at the same time, it's just like, do I really have the tolerance for that type of pain? And can I really compose myself if something was to go wrong and I really get hit in the face? Like, do I go off? Do I, you know, keep it, keep myself composed? And, you know, and I'm just like, but ultimately I feel like that is a dream just to train with a wrestler. Like probably not even be one to have that training. As one, that I, my life will be complete.
0: Well, the video is fantastic.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you so much for sharing it. Uh, again, I encourage everybody to watch it on the site. Uh, and I have learned a lot today, personally, just because I've been out of the professional wrestling game for so <laughs> long. And, you know, I had no idea this avenue, like my journalist brain is going off because I'm learning a lot about the changing role of women in wrestling. There's so much more to explore. Uh, I would love to have you maybe contribute another piece. I'm really interested to hear about your uh, Instagram show. Is that what it is? Well, IGTV? Yes, yeah. IGTV
1: um, is called Those Wrestling Girls. Me and my friend literally sat down and we decided that we were going to just put it out there because you don't have you don't have black podcasters, American female podcasters actually saying they talking about wrestling because it's just like something that dies down, goes under the table. And so we just trying to bring it back. So it's called those wrestling girls. We just filmed our second episode today. So once it's edited, it will be up and everybody will will know
0: I'm in. about it.
1: Please Thank keep you. me
0: posted. I want to see the next episode. You might even pull me back into WWE. I've been away for so long, but I've heard enough tonight that I'm like <laughs> ready to get back in.
1: <laughs> Glad I could help. Glad I could help. Yeah.
0: Uh, so thanks again for being here. I appreciate it. Again, please, everybody, go watch the video.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Uh, I want to talk about a different form of female empowerment, Amelia. And I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, we've you you pitched this a while ago. We were supposed to have you on last week and the week before that and the week before that, but this had to get pushed. And why, why would this be something that we had to postpone? Female empowerment anthems, which, I mean, you can explain it a little bit more for us, but does the definition of a female empowerment, does it have to be a female artist? Does it have to be a woman listening to it? How much of the messaging uh, has to relate to, you know, Either the artist or to the person listening. I I know you sent a playlist. Maybe you can start with that. Amelia, please share with us your female empowerment playlist, song by song, if you would be so kind.
2: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. um so my first so yeah okay so I mean, this
0: came up because you were like you didn't even this wasn't even a thought project you said listen guys i know what i want to talk about i want to talk about female empowerment and-
2: wait 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 wait. no how how this came about was i was in the philippines and she was up at 2 a.m in the morning and i was up at 2 p.m and she posts this screenshot on uh instagram i think it was the, the the singular song fighter yes right amelia and then I made some comment about it, and then you commented back, and then we're like, at the same time, we should do a podcast about this. Then we're like, we should try to make Russell agree to this somehow. Yeah.
0: Why would I not agree to this? I don't know. This is incredible. I, I thought you might not want to. No, I'm looking through the
2: feed. Oh, we were discussing her best album. Yeah, because um, she started to suck after Stripped. Yeah, and then I was like, this is my favorite song. I feel like I can take over the world with this song. Is it fighter? Fighter. And it goes, makes me that much stronger, makes me something else. I don't know, but I've been listening to it every single time. Makes me that much
0: stronger, making me a little bit better. Oh, baby, I'm a fighter. No one's gonna make me
2: stop fighting. I love that rendition. No, it's so it's so good. It's so good and it's so encouraging like I don't I mean I don't know you know who listens to it or what defines a female you know all those things like I think it could be anything honestly but um that one and then there's Bust Your Windows by Jasmine Sullivan but kind of like all of Jasmine Sullivan's music just makes me want to like change my life Oh my gosh! That's like every time I'm in love, I'm just like, yes, please, yes. Well, please. whose
0: windows is she trying to break, and how um, does this relate this to your own life? person who
2: totally like was hella rude, but then she was like, you know, I'm just gonna bust the windows at your car, um, which was an encouraging statement. it's Her right. way of expressing herself.
0: That's very. Which incredible. is how I feel half the
2: time. <laughs> When I'm doing daily life, I'm like I'm gonna fucking bust everyone. I'm just kidding. Um, it's no, a really. metaphor.
0: It's a metaphor.
2: It is. It's a metaphor for how I want to battle life each day. Um, and then my third song was "Survivor" by Destiny's Child, because if you don't put that song on your playlist, I don't know what you've been doing or listening Who are to. You?
0: Who are How you? Who are you, you're really? Survivor on your playlist. <laughs>
2: so it's really good. But yeah, no, Fighter has, it's just, it's like, and then there's like this part at the end where, you know, it does like the, and you're just like floating, and then she's like, ah! and she's just like belts her face off, and you're just like, I love my life. And I feel I, powerful. I, I
0: have always said this because, you know, Christina Aguilera is a divisive figure. A lot of people say, you know, they, they don't get it. Say whatever you want to about Christina Aguilera.
2: Her voice. She got,
0: she got pipes, dude. She can sing.
2: Her voice.
0: Christina Aguilera can damn sing. Yes. She's, She's incredible. Amazing. Like She's no other. Uh, what about the, the one that really get like I become emotional, the one Christina Aguilera song that it's I really beautiful. it's beautiful? Don't look at me. It's such a good song. It's <laughs> a good song. <laughs> I feel like I'm going into another realm when I have headphones on and I listen to that song. I have to like be looking in the mirror when I listen to it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like, take my shirt off, put the headphones on, look in the mirror. You are beautiful in every single way. Yeah. Nobody's down. yeah. Wait, is it who can't bring you down? Somebody, nobody can bring me down from what I understand.
2: Words. 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 <laughs> Words. No, it's so amazing. But also, I know, uh, Melanie, you brought up Janelle Monáe.
0: Oh, yeah, Melanie, you've been really touting Janelle Monáe lately. (laughs) It's a very different style of music, I feel. It is, but is that the
3: new era? Well, yeah, she's she's newer. And, I mean, yeah, she's 10 years to her career, so maybe not that new. But I think... I don't know. I'm just obsessed with her lately. She was in concert here last week in New York at Madison Square Garden. And I was just watching every single one of her videos back to back and just like, I was like, how have I not been watching her career for the last 10 years? I think I've been under a rock. But you guys are used to this with me, where I start discovering things like way too late. And um, I just watched the Dirty Computer movie that she's got on YouTube. It's a whole hour of her videos linked together with this um, robotic woman that she plays called Cindy Mayweather and it's one of her alter egos, and she she's a dirty computer. She's full of viruses, and this is exactly the first um, story that I wrote for the Fembots. And so I was just like, how do I meet Janelle Monet right now? This girl is tripping out right now. So I just watched it over and over and over again like I was a kid. And she's doing this thing right now called hashtag femme fem the future, where um, female filmmakers can say in 10 words or less what they um, envision to be a beautiful future. So I've had all kinds of ideas. And I've been talking to one of my friends, um, Jackie, who is one of the only black female product designers at Facebook, who is a fembot in real life. And we're talking about what we could put together in 10 words or less for this contest, because whoever wins gets to meet Janelle Monet at Art Basel, Miami, which is where the Fembots were born 10 years ago. So I'm just sort of like, okay, this is this is all the shit that I love and that I'm into because she's really into technology And I just don't know how I watched Hidden Figures and didn't realize that she was one of the main
0: fucking characters. So I'm like... Well, she looks very different. Like, when she's a performer, when you see her in the music, she's very stylized, you know what I mean? Like, her fashion and her hair. Like, she's kind of like Lady Gaga in that way. Like, when she's done up, she's not really necessarily recognizable. But when she shows up as herself, quote-unquote, as I think Janelle Monae did in Hidden Figures, she's almost unrecognizable.
3: I know. This is what I think is so fantastic about her. And for me, she really represents the new generation of, um, feminism. And I think because she's also bringing Afro, Afrofuturism into, um, you know, the, the, um, the conversation, especially at a time where blank black Panther brought that back in and people are just really thinking about it. And, um, and yeah, I'm just all about her right now.
0: Like I she was a to Prince protege, right? Did she do a lot of Prince material? Yes. Didn't he kind of? Yeah, you
3: know? the way you make me feel—that song—it has Prince just written all over it. And even the video, um, you know, Janelle is pansexual, I believe. So was Prince, and all of the other. Um, artists of that
0: time, it seems.
3: Prince, so, Prince
0: was pansexual yeah. before the word pansexual existed.
3: Oh, yeah. It
0: you know like, what I mean? Oh, you you just, fuck?
3: Okay, let's go. Uh, yeah.
0: Thanks, Melanie, um, for that definition of pansexual.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, it's, it's not, yeah, it's, it's not selective.
0: <laughs> nice. Uh, Amelia, I want to ask, do these yeah. songs come up and maybe this is true for you too Melanie but like is this a time of this like I get up in the morning and I can't get out of bed but I put these songs in my ears and then I suddenly become invincible is that what's going on here
2: I mean kind of yeah like when I wake up I usually have max seven minutes to get ready Cause I set about 20 alarms and then uh, by the time it's 7am, I'm like, yes, I have two minutes. And then I'm like, I can do it in three. And then I always leave my house late. So then from my house, the train, I'm like a zombie, mostly walking through, just get me to the cart to get a $2 iced coffee to then get to the train. And then I just have fighter on repeat. So I can (laughs) feel like I'm in a music video where I'm the protagonist and my day will be good, and uh, it'll make me that much stronger and work a little harder. <laughs> oh, a nice.
0: Little harder. nice.
3: <laughs> but that's, I that's mean, like, that, So, you know, I, that's really true. I do the same thing. And, Amelia, I have a question for you. So, what about anger? Do do yeah. any of these songs kind of help you get some of that out? And I mean, Krista, please—you know—you don't have to mute yourself for the rest of this conversation. Oh, you know, yeah. jump yeah, in at any point totally here. If you
0: have an anthem to share or an opinion about Christine Aguilera, yeah,
3: <laughs> <opinion>. <laughs> yeah, note so it, note I, it, note I, it. I, late. <laughs> Lately, I've had a lot of anger issues, so I'm wondering if I should become a female wrestler and, you know, try to, like, you know, bang that shit out. But also, I've been listening to a lot of Cardi B. And it's yes, that is I, totally empowerment. That's totally empowerment, songs. That song, Be Careful, oh, my God.
0: It is very resonant. It's
3: Cardi B. B. it's It's funny, and it's angry, and it's just, like... Cardi B is like the epitome
1: of new age aggression, like in ways to, (laughs) in ways to like literally put your aggression somewhere else. When she said she's about to put bleach in his cereal, I said, okay, I'm not going to listen to this because Cardi's going to have me thinking about doing things to my boyfriend. And I'm like, no, I can't, I
0: can't, I can't. But, what's yeah. the one? What's the one where she talks about going through his phone? Um, through your
1: phone. <laughs> Look, I just wanna break up all your shit. Call your mama phone, let her know that she raised a
2: bitch. Then dial tone click and fucking little fake ass friends. Host, and you can tell your little bitch. I screenshotted it oh, all her naked pics. Oh, you wanna send news
1: to my man? Wake up and see your booze on the gram. Little bitch, I cannot stand you right in Jesus. I'm a
0: every single word of that I was like a person a woman has said every single one of these things to me that Cardi is saying (laughs) (laughs) it was like almost it's like she had been following me around and taking notes I was like how did you know about that How'd you know about that? I felt outed by that song. I felt exposed.
1: Which <laughs> I think, think you like, and a lot of other men did too. Everybody was feeling true. guilty after that. It's, I They're felt bad. Really
0: I was like, wow, that's what really happened. That's what the other side is. Damn, Cardi. I felt educated. I felt exposed and simultaneously exposed and educated. P.S. Exactly. That was all a that's long time power. ago. That was all exactly. a long time ago, everybody. Okay. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a grown yeah. man now. A, a perfect gentleman. <laughs> I don't have any incriminating stuff in my phone, just in case. Well, I mean, that's not entirely true, but. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what? That's Cardi B's uh, secret power is that she can expose you and empower you at once.
2: Exposing and empowerment like at once.
0: Yeah. I love her, man. She's brilliant. That's like
2: transformative.
0: Yeah. It's like a different style of art, man. It's also like my objection. And I know that this is a tangential conversation, but like my objection to, you know, like I really don't like Drake because I just feel like Drake is fake. And he's not really of this world or of this life. And everything he's talking about is just like a fake persona. Right. And I'm not trying to start a Drake conversation because I know he has good music, but everything that Cardi says, I'm like, that's your life these are things that you have said to people like this is really who you are whereas drake i feel like is just doing some kind of performance he's just like you know a canadian who's wandered into our american art form and is like doing an imitation performance but like i've just never felt someone seem so authentic and like exposed in the way that cardi is you know i'm i'm a genuine fan that's fair to say
1: that that's fair to say um with Drake, I just, I, I love Drake before he made this big transition. I was more so in the mixtape realm of Drake. Like, Drake as a mixtape artist, I feel like you is more freeing than him as a regular artist or mainstream. But there are songs that I would listen, I love Drake, I'm not even going to say a hand lie to you and say that I don't. Yeah. But and there are some <laughs> songs that I would listen to, like Redemption, I just be like, oh, okay. That, that's my song. Jake's best album is from, and I think I'm going to get this wrong, but it's from nothing to something or from something to something. That, that album, and I feel like it's one of his best albums that he's put out.
0: It would be crazy for me to say that he doesn't have good music. He makes so much good music. He's a very talented lyricist. I'm not trying to take any of that away from him. But my frustration, and we mentioned this earlier, as a Golden Age rap fan is like authenticity was very important in the 90s. Like if you're a rapper and you were talking about a life that really wasn't your life, they used to have a thing called Studio Gangsters. Like, you know, Eazy-E had a whole song of like, you know, calling out, all these L.A. people who are like, yo, man, Like you're talking about being in gangs that don't exist. You're talking about committing crimes that you didn't commit. And it's not like, you know, I'm not arguing, oh, every rapper needs to be a murderer or whatever. But authenticity mattered. And, you know, who you claim to be in the booth, you know, should be reflected by your life. And that's totally out the window now. Now it doesn't matter. In like who You you know, like you, you adopt a different persona and that's fine. Johnny Cash said he shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. We all know Johnny Cash isn't a murderer. I'm not saying Johnny Cash is fake, but it's just so refreshing to hear Cardi talk about. Like the emotional experience of of betrayal in the 21st century, which has just really never been documented before. It's like the oral history of a woman scorned by an iPhone is, you know, is, is I think a good encapsulation of Cardi B's music and a part of the reason I love it. Although there are many, many reasons I love it. What's not to love, really?
2: But she's also I feel like she's been so real since day one, like even before she...
0: Yeah, she Cardi- got famous for being herself. That's yeah, incredible. Like, literally. you know, we're really, we're really critical of people like, you know, like you talk about the Kardashians. The, like, oh, what did they ever do? Or, you know, it's like they were being themselves. But they're like kind of boring. But Cardi's not. Cardi's not boring. Like you could do a reality show that was just her 24 hours a day. You don't even have to edit that. You know, she's such a fascinating persona. So anyway, I've said enough about my enthusiasm for Cardi B. I'll leave it there, but I'm glad I'm glad she came up. Thank you. I don't know if it was Melanie, whoever mentioned her. Uh, I'm glad she came up because I'm pro-Cardi. Do you have any Cardi songs in the rotation, Amelia? Is she part of your empowerment playlist?
2: Ring, 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 ring. <laughs> you don't hear my line no <laughs> oh, oh you don't make it me that's like my fucking song and kaylami is also totally an artist that's like out here trying to be herself i mean i think she is in a lot of ways but like that's that was yeah that's i i love that song ring me also i got into it because my friend really loves it and then her son really loves it and he's like one or two, but every time it comes on, he's like bopping his head. No, but it's a I think it's really amazing. I mean, I think right now authenticity is what's most kind of uh, pulling people in. But it's interesting because as people try to be authentic, they end up just copying whatever has, you know, been created. I don't know. I mean, you know, another song that I really love that I would consider an empowerment song with the idea of gender attached to it. I don't know. We can be totally gender neutral and all these things is Trophies.
0: Wait, I don't know. Young Money. Trophies? Yeah,
2: yeah. Thank
0: you for that. <laughs> that really does. <laughs> Wait, Kristen. I know, that song.
1: Have, Kristen, I know the have... song, and I'm just trying to figure out where the empowerment comes
2: from.
0: Ooh. like not trying to, you know. It's it's an important question, Amelia. Yeah, you, I'm just trying you, to feel like this shit is
2: not a love song. Oh. I don't know. It just pumps me up. I'm but also sometimes that, really yeah. intense music pumps me up, and I feel empowered because I'm like, yeah, I'm angry. I mean, is it's a good same? song
1: to, you know, like Bop 2 and whatever, but at, for an empowerment song, I'm just like, the lyric, I don't, I don't for me, I would not use that. Well, what is
0: it, Krista, tell us, what is the song about? What are, what are the actual lyrics saying?
1: I guess it's just like his accolades, like how many him and Young Money has collected throughout the, the years or their time? Because um, it's talking about trophies, like, in actual trophies, I'm guessing Grammys, Gold Records, things of that nature. So I guess you can if if you want to switch it or spin it, your your accolades is a form of empowerment for you to keep going and collecting those trophies. I just would have never saw it that way.
0: I yeah. mean, you know, it's like it's braggadocious, right? I mean, there's a long history and and especially in rap music of just like of being boastful. And I suppose there's empowerment in boasting, but I would just say to Drake, like, listen, bro, Grammys are based on record sales. They're not based on the quality of your music. (laughs) Okay. So just because you're slanging a bunch of records because there's only room for three or four artists on the radio. I mean, okay. Now I am talking bad about Drake. I do know that song. It's a fine song. But I think, I mean, that's a form of empowerment, sure. Right. Like, what's your trophy, right, Amelia? Like, you're thinking about like whatever your Grammy is right now. Yeah. I need trophies. Yeah. At least it's not like trophy wives or something. I thought you were talking about the uh, what's the one that's on the radio? All I think it's more in New York because it's like a Caribbean song. and We have a lot more Caribbean music in New York. You're a human trophy. Wait, does anybody else know that song? <laughs> Am I making this
1: up? Walking trophy. Walking. I said human trophy. <laughs> that song. Okay. That Walking song exactly. that has a sense of empowerment or entire it has a sense of empowerment for women who feel like it's just saying love yourself and embrace yourself. You're a walking trophy showcase, flaunt what you got. And it kind of stands back to, you know, the whole wrestling body shaming thing. You're a walking trophy embrace that, keep that sense of empowerment there. And if you feel like you want to change something for the betterment of you, you do so for you and not for anybody else. So, the walking trophy, I can definitely put that as an empowerment. Like, that's a
0: checklist on my, on my list for empowerment songs. I never even thought about that song that way. I always thought it was a girlfriend talking about her boyfriend, like, as if he were, or like her partner or something, like saying, like, well, you know, like when we hear the word trophy, when we think about a romantic partner, it's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, you get to show someone's so beautiful, you get to show them off. You have them on your arm, they're your trophy. I will never hear that song the same way again, Krista. Thank you very much for that insight. Also, I'll stop calling it human trophy and I'll start calling it walking trophy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, uh, Krista, I think that was actually the perfect comment to bring us all for full circle here uh, for the episode tonight. Uh, I want to thank everybody for being here. This was a lot of fun. This was wonderful. Thank you specifically to you, Krista. It's great to have you on. We'd love to have you back anytime. We're going to keep inviting you. Of course. Watch watch out for those emails. Uh, Amelia, I'm really glad we were able to get this subject on the radio because, man, it took us a lot of different directions that i was not expecting so thank you we're gonna share the playlist we're gonna you know make sure that we share snippets of all these songs thank you melanie for joining uh hopefully we can get some janelle monae on there um and Mang, as always a pleasure thanks to all of you thanks to all our listeners take care
2: this episode of quest on media's margin call was produced in richmond california